Welcome to Just Black Talking. It's your host, Dr. Justin Black. And today we're going to have a ton of fun. I've got a very special guest with me today. This guy is really becoming a household name. For those of you that are keeping up with the current season 19 of Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen, this is undoubtedly your favorite contestant. We are joined today by none other than Chef Declan Horgan, otherwise known as Big D. And I got to say, that's the first time I've ever called a grown man Big D comfortably. I got to tell you that right now, man. Chef, can you hear me? Are you here with me? I am indeed. How's it going? How are you, Doc? Excellent, brother. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Look, I just want to jump right into things, okay? So let's let's go through it. You're now obviously one of our new, most exciting and, and emerging celebrity chefs, okay? For, there's no other way to say it. But let's go back to the beginning. How old were you about uh, when you started taking cooking seriously? So my first ever standalone meal, I think I was around seven. And that was a meal that I cooked for my aunt after copying everything that I saw on the um, TV. I made her honey and mustard glazed lamb racks that were lamb chops that were grilled with uh, sauteed green beans and a sort of like a, a garlic potato. Okay. You said it's seven? Yeah, yeah. At seven. Yeah, for sure. What the hell? So at seven years old, you see something on television and that's, that's what you cook and it's lamb? When I saw it on television, my mother made it. I watched my mother making it. And then when I was in my aunt's house, she was going, oh my God, I'm, I'm hungry. Could you make me something? And I was like, let me, let me, let me. As a seven-year-old, really annoying. I uh, wouldn't give up. And she goes, all right, go on, do it. So I regurgitated literally what the TV and my mother had shown me. And I made it exact. And my, my auntie was like, oh my God, he's a genius. <laughs> but uh, growing up, majority of the stuff that I did was uh, when I finished play skill, my mother's mother used to pick me up and I'd see her cooking in the kitchen and she'd be making old school, really old school Irish classical dishes. And uh, majority of them would be like uh, she'd do grilled lamb's hearts or braised lamb's hearts, potato farls, really old school Irish food, lamb stew. From there, my mother was a great cook because of her mother. And then all my mother's sisters, they were all amazing cooks as well. I, I got to taste different foods from around the world. I was never picky, so that's why they call me Chef Big D. I didn't get this big eating salad, you know what I mean? Um, I always got this big <laughs> good food. But with that, on top of that, my father was an avid deep-sea angler, and he also was a, an avid hunter. I got to taste all different types of fish at a young age. I was never picky again. I ate them all. I got to work with them as and break them down and see all the components. And my father taught me about the fish, which was an oily fish, which was a flat fish, which was a white fish. And he would tell me little tricks that not many people know. Like, for example, if you order a white fish in, the, uh, in a restaurant, 
if your chef is anyway good, he'll understand when you ask the chef for the white side of the fish mm-hmm. rather than the side with the pigment, because the pigment on the, the skin side, which is facing up, will have this tiny, tiny, tiny inky taste. Mm. But the white side of the fish has got more of a neutral uh, side of it and has a better taste. Wow. And that would be like for over soul for turbot. But not many people know that. But my old man taught me that at a very young age. So you you essentially had an early apprenticeship just by growing up in your house, having a family that cooks well, having a dad that's out hunting and fishing. Your apprenticeship started early. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, do you remember who you saw on television making that recipe? Who was the chef you saw making that? Delia Smith. And look at you now. Now there's a kid watching you trying to mimic what you're doing. Oh, dude, I'm a big hit with the kids. When I was in Milwaukee, as the saying goes, I was shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> when I was just in Milwaukee, there was loads of little kids who had pestered their mothers to bring them down to meet me. And then when they called me in and they saw the size of me, these are like up to my kneecap. And then when they saw the size of me, they're like, oh, my God, who's this monster? But it was all like, ah, look, Chef Big D, way. It was funny. You, you, you are lovable, man. You are lovable. Now, look, about that, you're Chef Big D, but you're not as big as you once were. Oh, no, no, no. I was huge before. And then um, I've, I've lost a lot of weight. Right now, with COVID and everything, I'm working on it again because I've got a big restaurant coming up. So I'm, I would just say I'm fighting fit almost. But I need to be fighting fit by the end of June because that's when I'm opening up this brand new monster restaurant out in Tyson's Corner called Jack's Ranch. And Jack's Ranch is an interesting restaurant because this it's not a, I can't say it's a lone cuisine, right? This is kind of a hybrid of different things. You want to talk more about Jack's Ranch? Yeah. So on one side of the restaurant, we're going to have the best Texas style barbecue outside of Texas. And it's connected to an establishment called uh, Texas Jack's Ranch in Arlington. They use the top end product for their briskets. They have their sausages specially made over in Texas by one of the best sausage makers in Texas. I've had it and it's outstanding. It's really good. It's all homemade. It's all cooked from scratch. That's going to be on one side set for to-go orders, but there'll be an archway between the barbecue pick-up-and-go restaurant where you can come into Jack's Ranch on the other side, which is going to be Neapolitan pizza and fresh pasta. And you, you might say, oh, my God, an Irishman doing that. Trust me. I'm going to be the first Irishman certified by some of the top masters who are in America for Neapolitan pizza and Roma pizza before we even kick off. So you're going over. No, I'm, I'm staying in America, but I'm being trained by some of the world champions in uh, Roma pizza and in Neapolitan pizza. And I'll be certified by them. So I'll be probably the first Irish dude with both certifications for this style of pizza. I love it, man. And and we're desperately in need of good barbecue here in the D.C. area. So Tyson's Corner, just about, you know, 20, 30 minutes outside of the city. This is going to be this is going to be well welcomed. But don't forget the one in Arlington. It's there. It's huge. It's open right now. And it, it has already won the best barbecue in D.C., I think, two or three years in a row. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, barbecue is not just uh, something you're going to be doing at this new restaurant. You've got a real affinity for barbecue. How, how did this come about? My affinity for barbecue was uh, late nights in Dublin, going home drunk, uh, the junk food that I wanted. It was always a uh, Chinese takeaway barbecue spare ribs. It grew from there. Over the years, I was always like, oh, I want to make that. I want to make that barbecue sauce. I want to make that barbecue sauce as a chef. 
I, I just messed around with it. It grew from there. And now I've got my own FDA approved, professionally bottled barbecue sauce called Big D's Barbecue Sauce. And the cool thing about it is it's gluten-free. Yep. It's low sodium. It does have soy in it, but it's also only two grams of sugar and 15 calories for each bottle. Compared to a typical bottle of barbecue sauce, which is about how much? I'm guessing up at around the uh, 35, 50 range. I think that's the low end. I think the rest of them go up to about 80 to 100. So so for those of us that need to be watching what we're eating, and and, uh, especially anyone who's battling with uh, sugar problems and diabetes, you've got a great option. And as well as that, it's different to the regular uh, Kansas City or the American-style barbecue sauce, uh, which is thick and sugary molasses-based. Mm-hmm. Mine isn't molasses-based, but mine has uh, superfoods in it as well. So ugh, I'm not going to put it towards Corona, but if you had the flu and you needed a kick of vitamin C, if you drank my barbecue sauce, it'd be happy days. You'd be The, the flu would be it. gone. I love it, man. Yeah. So Big D's barbecue sauce available at your website as well. Is that correct? It's at, with my website on my website right now. We're able to ship in North America, but we're going to be in the next day or two. We're going to have it worldwide to be able to be shipped. But if anybody wants to buy it in person, my buddy Wendell in the Georgetown Butcher, he has it in his uh, butcher shop on on sale. And then I'm also talking and trying to get into talks with a lot of the uh, big groups like um, Wegmans, Balducci's, Whole Foods, all that. And then this other one called Tiger Mark Fuel. Mm-hmm. They're hopefully going to be taking it on as well. Wonderful. And that's going to be at Chef Declan Horgan, H-O-R-G-A-N.com. Chef Declan Horgan, link in the show notes where you can find all the information you need for Big D's barbecue sauce. Now, this wasn't just an overnight thing. You didn't just take some Bally Malo and throw it in the blender, right? <laughs> so uh, big, big props for Bally Malo relish. Ah. Um, so the, the, the lady who uh, uh, owns Bally Malo relish, when she saw everything on the um, internet, she reached out to me and she congratulated me. She sent a gift basket. It's awesome. But, uh, That's fantastic, man. We, things were going too slow for me when I got to America, the land of opportunity mm-hmm, in my mind. Mm-hmm. And without fail, I am the dictionary description of that right now. Come to America, work hard, it pays off. Irish edition, uh, coming to America. There you go. <laughs> I started making it at home. When I was making it at home, one of the, the pieces of equipment that was, without fail, the best piece of equipment for me for blending it was my Vitamix. When I started using the Vitamix, I was able to get it really fine, all the experiments that I did. And in the period of working, being too busy, farmers markets, it's taken me four years to get there. Mm-hmm. But now I'm there, and now it's it's good to go. It's barcoded. Even on the bottle, when you see the labeling, it's really cool. I don't know if you've seen it. Have I you? have. I have seen it. You got like a, a it looks like a, a, a big muscle bound leprechaun hanging out on this thing. There you go. Yeah, that's big. Thing. That's, big. that's you, big. Yeah. With this sauce, this is number one. I have a range of eight different flavors that are good to go. With that in mind, I'm hoping that all of them try and stay in that range of how good this one is, low calories and whatever. That isn't always achievable because some of the food then tastes up like it tastes like it's diet food yeah, and it's frank. Yeah. Mine actually tastes really good. It's natural product. Uh, it's all natural ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no preservatives in it. The ingredients themselves are the preservatives. It's got a two-year shelf life. But with the other eight recipes, I'm not going to throw this out there. I'm always looking for somebody who's interested. If they wanted to get on board with me, uh, we could talk finances and see if they wanted to help me grow it and whatever. That'd be great. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Eight other recipes, plus then there's um, 
Big D's Fish and Chips, which uh, I'm working on as well. Now, your fish and, and chips aren't just anybody's fish and chips. You've had an opportunity for some special people to, to eat your fish and chips. Is that right? Yes, I have indeed, which was probably the most honorable experience I've ever had in my life. Second to um, meeting Gordon Ramsay and being on the show. Yeah. Tell the people. Tell the people who, who, who requested your fish and chips. Oh, yeah. So this fine lady was getting ready with 12 of her friends. She was about to go to the Erica Badu concert mm-hmm. in the Anthem Wharf, and she stopped into the restaurant that I was running at the time. And this lady is Michelle Obama. Fantastic. Michelle Obama, who had my fish and chips. I, I do believe that she's very health conscious, but my fish and chips are so good that she actually finished there. I think there was like two, three fries left on the plate. <laughs> what an honor, man. <laughs> yeah, man, it was that was crazy. That was unbelievable. Who was more excited, yeah. you or the person that came to tell you that Michelle Obama wanted your fish and chips? So the person that came to tell me, right, so the person who came to tell me secretly that Michelle Obama was coming practically exploded <laughs> standing in front of me. But then when they were picking the menu and the, the server came down, the server was vibrating. And then the server was like, dude, she wants your fish and chips. And I was like, what? I thought she was going to have a salad or something. And they went, no, dude, she wants your fish and chips. And I was like, all right, everybody get away from the fryer. I'm getting in there. I'm doing this. So I, I, I tested everything. I double-checked everything. I seasoned everything. It was crazy. It was such an honor to send her up fish and chips belong to me. And my tartar sauce. I think she got a second batch of the tartar sauce. It's so oh, good man. to dip That's the poison. Great. Yeah. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. We started off with you as as some kind of freak show prodigy at seven years old, you know, copying uh, <laughs> television recipes. But tell us, because, uh, you know, my listeners, we we are not that familiar with Irish food. Our idea of Irish food here in the States, not so good, bro. Don't get me started. <laughs> but tell yeah, me a little bit about Dublin. Is that, where you, is that where you grew up? It is indeed, yes. How many brothers are running around Dublin? How do you mean? Black people. Oh, which it's it's the norm. Uh-huh. Always was. Yeah. There's always the people who are Stone Age and they, they're close-minded who are a bit racist, right? Or not a bit, always racist. No, we're but talking majority, about Dublin now, not America. I know. <laughs> majority, majority of people in Ireland are like, dude, are you going to have a point? And you're going to have some crack? And if you say, yeah, well, then you're grand. You're happy days, you know? We don't give a shit, really. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, there is a black community in Dublin and all over Ireland now, whereas at first it was just in Dublin, but now it's uh, there's there's loads of different people from around the world in Ireland. Who knew? From Poland. I didn't know. I, I've never been. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a very big melting pot of Europe, for sure, that side of the world. And uh, they all seem to come to Ireland because um, they know that we, we don't give a shit. If you just get on with your life, you're willing to have a beer, have a laugh. Well, then we don't care, you know. So something I see here is we've we've started to discover that African Americans, up to thirty eight percent of African Americans, have Irish DNA. And tying back into our last story about your fish and chips, Barack Obama is one of those people. Martin Luther King is one of those people. Okay, Beyonce, Colin Powell, Billy Holiday. Yours truly, okay. I've got a little shamrock rocking in here too. So it's a it's a hey. real uh, community where again brotherhood across the globe. Uh, so 
up to 38% thus far. And as we keep testing with DNA, we'll probably find higher numbers. But Irish DNA is running all through the black community here in, in America. And then, then there's the uh, the famous American black dude, Frederick Douglas. Frederick Douglas, Douglas uh, in 1845, went over to oh. Ireland. They uh, put up murals of him during the civil rights fight where, where the, the Catholics from Northern Ireland were fighting for their civil rights in 1960s. So Frederick Douglass, you know, uh, went on his social crusades all the way to Ireland yeah. and was well received. And when, he came, when he came back from Ireland, he said, what? Well, I don't know for sure, but I do believe he goes, when he came back from Ireland, he goes, we all have to live like the Irish live. As I said, you have a beer, you have the crack. We don't care. Just get on with it. I love it. I love it. All right, man. So, you know, when did you first come to the States from, from Ireland? 2015. 2015. Before that, you had spent time at several Michelin-starred restaurants, even um, Le Grand Cascade and uh, Dans le Bois de Boulon, Dans le 16e yeah. arrondissement de Paris. So yeah, yeah. when one of your fellow Hell's Kitchen contestants starts speaking French to uh, Chef uh, Laurent Tourondel, what were you thinking to yourself? Do you parlez-vous? Uh, parlez-vous en petit pas. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, a little bit. So when you see a contestant buttering up a chef by speaking French, what do you think to yourself? You don't want me to answer that. <laughs> what do I think? I'm going, yeah, show up, yeah. get back in there, cooking. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. you've, been, you've been a lot of places and you've been around, obviously, some of the best of the best and, and some of the best establishments. So you, you come here, you say in 2014, 15, is that right? 2015. 2015. You come to this area where, where, we, where we are here in the D.C. area, your new home. Uh, Alexandria first. Yeah. OK. What was that transition like and what was your reception like? The transition was easy. The reception was like, oh, you're Irish. I've got Irish in me. And I was like, oh, OK, you're Irish. And that went on and on and on and on for like two and a half years in Alexandria. Then it was, it was a bit more real uh, when I started working in D.C. And then... Um, now I've, I feel that um, seeing as I'm on television, everybody just comments on my accent. And then um, when I am out in the, the, out in the world now, out and about doing my thing, uh, some people take a second look and they go, are you Irish? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I just love your accent. Yeah, yeah. And then um, funny now as well is when I'm walking around sometimes, people just go, hey, you're the Irish guy. You're Big D. And I go, Yes, hello. And then, can we do a photo? I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, let's do a photo. <laughs> Has it bothered you yet? I can't seem to get off my phone now between having to do the Instagram posts and everything. Yeah. I yeah. can't get off my phone. Well, it's not just the accent. I mean, you got a lot of swag about you, right? And I'm not the only one that thinks it. The editors of Swagger Magazine have decided to bless their cover with your shining face. Yeah, dude, th- that was another huge... Um, Notch on the bedpost or whatever you want to say. That was a, a bucket list. I got featured in uh, Swagger Magazine. I got the front cover of that, which has gone around the world. The other two people that I do know that have been on that cover, one is Sir David Beckham. Um, wow. One is uh, Ryan Reynolds. And then there's a lot of other celebrities. And then there's little old me. Well-deserved. Uh, I put Indeed. a smile on everybody's face. And, and it looks great. And it's a great story they, they've got on you, too. The nice feature, man. Really well. Really well done. Let me ask you just about cooking as a chef. When you're cooking something, is the goal for you to try to just make it consistent, the same every time, or, or are you still trying to create every time or, or, or frequently? 
so there's two trains of thought. For example, if I'm making food for myself at home, I'm always trying to work on a classic and then expand on the classic and change it up a bit or take out one component and add a different component to see if that works. That's what I do at home. When I'm in work and it's the menu items, that's where consistency comes in. Continuity, checking it, tasting it. Everything has to be on point. Everything has to be the exact same. Everything has to be what the last customer got or what you got the last time you were here. Nothing changes. And that's um, that side of it. But then with creating stuff, the specials that I make are where I get more adventurous and create even more stuff. And then throw another spanner in the works would be when I start hitting up suppliers and I ask suppliers for different types of products or products that aren't out yet. Or if there's a product that I've seen on the internet and I go, I want that. I try and get them to get it for me. And then I break it down by tasting it, seeing what combination of flavors it works with and then what protein it matches with. And then I try and do it that way. What What's it like as a chef making food that's not at the highest quality? For example, if you've, you know, you're making um, leather eggs at a restaurant for brunch service and people love it, but you're like, you know, this is just not the way I should be cooking these eggs. Uh, I wouldn't do it. Okay. All Simple. Right. <laughs> yeah. unless, unless the customer goes, I like my eggs over hard. Okay, then I'll do it. But if I'm going to be doing, for example, a fried egg, your fried egg is going to be done right. What I see a lot of the time here is when they do a fried egg, the white aluminum on the top of the yolk is never cooked properly. And that just disgusts me. Whereas what I do is uh, with the, the poached butter that I use, I spoon some of the butter over the top of it. Mm -hmm. So that outer part is gently cooked as well, but it still looks like a sunny side up egg. Or if I'm going to give you a poached egg, I don't mess about. I've got three pots going. They're all deep so that the egg starts at the top, sinks to the bottom, and rises back up. And then it's a perfectly teardrop-shaped egg to the point that if any of the filament is coming off at the end, I'll take a scissors and cut them so that they're the perfect-looking poached egg. And that's what I do for brunch, which is hundreds of poached eggs, but at the end of the day, the customer is happy. I feel more secure in the dish going out with my name on it that nobody can send it back on. He doesn't know how to cook an egg. You know? <laughs> That's fantastic, man. We talked about your travel over from, from Ireland. We talked about what it was like a bit growing up there and now being here in this new community. There's challenges in everything, and there's challenges in, in being a minority. There's challenges in being an immigrant. What are the challenges in cooking that you see? And is there anything that's going on in cooking that might put you off of cooking? Right now, for me, is that... Uh... Majority of the Irish food here is an absolute disgrace. It's one of the reasons that I moved here was um, I would like the opportunity to um, show people eventually, if they didn't see it when I was down the wharf, that I was making from scratch food and I was making Irish food, but it was some of the best Irish food around, uh, traditional dishes, classics, and then um, I vamped them up a bit to make them more interesting or just to even make them better full stop. Uh, one of my pet peeves here, and I'll say it, and I'll say it, and I'll keep saying it, is an Irish egg roll. We do not eat Irish egg rolls in Ireland. And that's a that's an egg roll filled with corned beef and cabbage, right? Disgusting, sorry. <laughs> and uh, most of the Irish restaurants think this is it. Whereas you asked me earlier about Irish cuisine. Irish cuisine is in the forefront of European cuisine right now, like up there with the French. 
We have the best of produce in the country. Our chefs have been trained in all the best restaurants in Europe and America. And now some of them are still out there, but some of them are at home. COVID has killed it all, but it's about to come back, hopefully. But we have some of the highest trained chefs in the world, all in Ireland, all with all this amazing produce. Hands down for me, some of the uh, Irish beef is some of the best beef in the world, all grass fed. Obviously, the potatoes are amazing. Everything else about the produce in Ireland is, is just top class. We are more, we're rediscovering a lot of it, all the wild produce. And there's other parts of it that um, artisan producers are producing some of the best products. For example, Toonsbridge Buffalo Mozzarella down in Cork, they're producing some of the best mozzarella outside of Italy. And they have the whole buffalo herd down there and their cheese is just outstanding. If you've ever had Ballymaloo relish, as you know, the Irish ketchup, yeah, that's, that's amazing I've had well. it and I love it. I can't get enough of it. I have to order it off the internet. So it must be pretty frustrating for you then to come from a place that's so – uh, that puts out such good quality of food and then to see it represented here in, in the States at such a poor level. See, it's it's hard. It's hard to like, there's not many Irish chefs over here, first of all. So you don't put like a Harley Davidson mechanic working on a BMW, if that makes sense. It does. So it the does. kitchens, are, yeah, the kitchens are full of Latino dudes. They're all hard working and I love them because I work with them. They don't have the same background or, they don't, they don't have the same knowledge that I would have as regards Irish food. But don't get me wrong, they are really hard working, right? And um, with that, it's standardized menus that the owners of the establishments have, and they just say, yeah, make that. And then when they're doing their specials, you end up with a chicken quesadilla, which is not Irish. Or you end up with ta- nachos or tacos, which aren't Irish. But then what they do is they use potatoes instead of tortillas, and they call it Dublin nachos or Irish nachos, which is like a total disaster yeah. in my mind. Yeah, a little more gimmicky than authentic uh, food. Even to the point that uh, in the future, I'm working closely with some of uh, Bord Bia, and um, I hope to be the first Irish chef in America with live Irish oysters. The deal has been struck that they're going to Canada, first of all. But then um, I've got the contact for the guy who's exporting them, and I'll be the first one in America with live Irish oysters. Shipped overnight by plane or, yeah, flown in overnight mm-hmm. by plane. And uh, one of my restaurants, eventually I'll be using it. And then um, Irish beef as well. What I'm going to do is I'm going to majority use American beef. And then for the specials, I'll bring in large quarters of beef Irish, break it down and dry age them and use them as the special. I mean, that sounds it sounds like a new feature in the marketplace, right? We don't have that currently. We don't have any of that stuff. I've never even heard of uh, Irish oysters, for example. Yeah, Irish oysters, they're allowed to be shipped here frozen right now, mm-hmm. but the trade deal is almost done, and then we'll be allowed to bring in live Irish oysters into America. That's fantastic, man. And they grow bigger, and the shells are harder, because they're not in brackish water, they're in uh, more salty water. Of course Big D is going to get these big-ass oysters, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You've been here since 2015. We've talked about... Uh, the quality of Irish food being mm, having some work to do. But tell me, who's getting it right? What's some of the best quality Irish food we can find in the States? So right now, I'm in the process of getting some of my recipes created for Irish sausages, Irish rashers, black and white pudding. That's all in the works. But if you're looking to get the best Irish sausages, Irish rashers, black and white pudding for breakfast, 
or anytime because it's so good. The guy Mike from the Butcher Block in Queens, New York, in Sunnyside, his stuff is outstanding. It's exactly like it is in Ireland. I've tried other stuff here in America. Either the rashes are too salty or they're not done right. Either the black and white pudding is frozen and it's not coarse. It's all fine. It's horrible. Or the sausages have this extra bit of herb that we don't put in at home. And it just, it tastes weird or it's not uh, fine ground enough. But Mike up in the butcher's block up in New York, Sunnyside, Queens, he's producing the best stuff at the moment. Fantastic. Now, wait a minute. What's a rasher? So you've got your American bacon, which is like, uh, we call it streaky bacon. That's off the uh, belly, right? Then you've got the um, Irish rasher, which is off the loin. So you've got the eye of the loin and the, the small tail that rolls up the ribs. And, uh, that's what we cure for making rashers. So it's got the eye of the loin and the tail. Now, look, uh, a lot of us, we get a little antsy when we hear about all these various puddings over there because it's got something in there. We don't know what's cooking. What's black and white pudding? So black pudding is based off blood, onions, pearl barley, and um, chopped up pig fat mixed back in with pig's blood. And then it's steamed, so it sets. Really good, high in iron and everything. It's actually healthy, but um, people are turned off it because um, it's made with blood. White pudding, some people are confused thinking that it's um, made like chitlins all ground up, but it's not. It's actually uh, flour, barley, onions, leeks, all cooked up, spices, all ground up into a fine, fine, fine paste, and pork fat, and then it's stuffed into a sausage and steamed again. And that's delicious for breakfast. It's also great, for example, a scotch egg. I do scotch eggs the odd time. I'm not crazy about them. But instead of sausage meat, I wrap the the egg in uh, white pudding and then uh, bread it before I deep fat fry it. Or the same, I wrap it in black pudding and bread it before I deep fat fry it. For example, if you're doing um, a burger and you put black pudding on a burger with some Guinness cheese, we call it black and blue. It's delicious. It's really good. I'm all in, man. So you say Butcher Block up in, in Queens. Queens, New York, the Butcher Block. Mike, who owns it, uh, he'll send you shipments in the post. And they also have a lot of other Irish products like uh, Bachelor's Beans instead of Heinz because Bachelor's are the Irish baked beans we use. Um, some of the bread you can get up there, Brennan's bread and whatever. The Irish white bread, you can get that up there. But um, as regards, his, he he makes all the stuff up there, so it's it's just crazy. And um it's delicious. So are you shooting for Michelin stars or are you shooting to make food for the pleasure of eating? A bit of both. I'd like to get Michelin recognition. But the, the big thing for me is that everybody comes in, eats, loves it, comes up and says, thanks, man, that was amazing. Or the biggest thing for me is when they come back up and they say, man, that food made me remind, remind me of my mother, the food that she used to make. That's one of the biggest compliments for me. If I was to be honest with you, even a red M, a Bib Gourmand, Michelin's level. Bib Gourmand, before I die, that would even do. The pressure that comes with Michelin stars is unreal. If I was to get a Michelin star, I wouldn't complain either. Right, but, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, th- there's actually a, a wave of people kind of giving back their stars, I think, due to some of that stress you're talking about, and they just want to go back to a simpler uh, kind of existence. You'd be foolish to say that you got into it and became a chef and wanted to open restaurants just literally to feed the people. Obviously, there's the financial side of it as well. And uh, I want my restaurants to be busy. I don't want anybody to feel like they were hard done by, that the food was too small. 
I want them to leave the restaurant going, that was delicious. I can't wait to come back. And that was value for money. That's all I'm looking for. What do you do at your restaurants as far as uh, beer, wine, uh, alcohol? Are you involved in that process or do you source that out to someone else? Well, we do have our wine reps and we do have our beer reps. They come in with different types of beers. But then you have your standards like Guinness and whatever, the Budweiser's. We don't need to try them. We do need to get the Guinness on point if I am to open a restaurant. It has to be done correctly. It has to be chilled correctly. It has to be poured correctly and has to be served in the right glass. With wines, I like to have a wine dealer come in, go through all the wines with me so I can test them, and then I can see which is going to go well with different dishes on my menu. I like to get into that. I'm getting into that more and more as we go on. Beers as well. I try to match and pair some of my beers because I know that's a big thing now. Me, myself, I'm more of a wine drinker. I like uh, whiskey and bourbon, but for dinner, it's always red wine for me. Mm-hmm. But with, with that, I'm, I'm getting involved more as I get older. And as the pairing of wines, the food is really important. So American bourbon or Irish whiskey? Both. Elijah. <laughs> well, uh, my favorite is uh, Irish is Jameson at the moment. Okay. I don't mind Tullam too, but uh, Jameson at the moment. All the new Jameson coming out, Black Barrel. Delicious. Mm, mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. How about Irish beer, Smithwick's or Caffrey's? Neither, unless it was over my dead body. Guinness. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, no, I will, I will. We'll pour some growing up, <laughs> growing up, I used to do a Smithwick's Shandy, and that was really nice. Okay. So that was Smithwick's mixed with red lemonade or white lemonade. Mm-hmm. That was delicious growing up. I used to do that. Caffrey's, yeah, not really. Not so much, huh? I don't know. I don't even think that's available here um, at the moment, Caffrey's. I'm not sure that that's available. It was a little bit, but nobody was into it. Yeah, well, there may be a reason for that. How about some food myths? You know, things that people say that irritate you. There's one that bothers me. You tell me what you think, and and it may expect you to have an opinion. People talk about making barbecue ribs, and they always say, fall off the bone. And that irritates me (laughs) because I believe that proper rib should have a little bit of a bite to it, a little pull to it, not where I pull the bone and leave the meat on the plate, you know. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Totally. All right. Yeah. Is there anything that people say like that, you know, that you hear when they're cooking that, that, that tickles you or, or, or irritates you? Cause that's one that really, every time I hear, Oh, it's fall off the bone. I'm like, God damn it. That's just ridiculous. What irritates me is when, unless they have an allergy is when people say, Oh no, I don't eat that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, okay, I haven't cooked it for you or you haven't been eating it correctly. So then when I do make it for them, I, 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 I persuade them into I don't like broccoli. And then I make broccoli for them and I serve it up to them. They're like, oh my God, I can't get enough yeah, of broccoli. Yeah. Or I don't eat carrots and I cook carrots for them. Or I don't eat fish. And I'm like, really? You don't eat fish? And then I cook it for them and they're like, oh my God, I love fish. This is amazing now. Yeah. Going, there, yeah there is there a closed mindedness. And, and I, I can appreciate that. That's It's frustrating. It's like, you know, don't knock it till you tried it, you know? And, and uh, if you haven't had it this way or, or from me or whatever the case is, just give it a taste. After that, if you say, you know what, not my cup of tea, so be it. But but at least give it a shot. I, I agree. Or another one that I just have to come to my mind is when American people sitting in my restaurant go, this is not bacon and cabbage. I've been to Ireland. <laughs> and I'm like, and the server is like, sorry, what? Yeah. What's you know? say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, what do you mean? It's. This is his like family recipe. What do you want about? It? It's not bacon and cabbage. They're, they're, I've been to Ireland. 
Americans. And then I'll come out and I go, really, you've been to Ireland? Tell me why it's not bacon and cabbage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, chef. No, uh, it's gorgeous. It's delicious. I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, bye. That's that's a thing. It's um, It, it falls under the characteriz- uh, category of something called culinary colonialism. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a thing. And it's really it's someone who's let's say you've traveled and you've gone to, you know, five Thai restaurants and then you go to you go to your sixth and you decide that it's not authentic because uh, because you're now the expert on Thai food because you've gone to five Thai restaurants. It's it's similar to that. And then the funny thing about that is everybody who, who's eating the food in these Thai restaurants, unless they know it's Isan Thai. Yeah. Then it's not legit. Thai. That's right. That's right. They're just getting the the, the, the Ferrang Thai food, which is the tourist Thai food. Ah, uh, uh, to be an American. So <laughs> it's what we do, man. Would you die for Ireland? Oh, man, I, you cut my arm, I bleed green. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So look, you said everyone loves that accent of yours, right? And And I'm sure that we do. But have you spent much time up in Baltimore? I was up there for a little bit working for a while, but... Um, not as much. I do want to go back up when COVID is over because it's a nice little city. It's a bit, uh, it's up and coming. And then there's some stuff up there like the uh, the National Aquarium and stuff. Oh, yeah, I want fantastic. to see submarine um, yard or the shipyard or something. Have you been anywhere here in the States that reminds you of Dublin? No. But when, when I was in Milwaukee, Milwaukee reminded me a lot of Baltimore. Really? But hmm. the, the personality of people in Milwaukee reminded me a lot of Ireland. Okay, and there is a huge Irish connection in Milwaukee, but um, their their personalities, how uh, nice they were to you, and how welcoming and everything was like I was back in Ireland. So again, to Baltimore, I'm from Baltimore, and we're talking about accents a little bit. Okay, now people come up to you in streets and yeah. tell you they love your accent. No one tells anybody that they love their Baltimore accent. That that's just not what happens. <laughs> but I want to I want to I want to play a game with you. I want to place a classic order, a lunch order in a Baltimore accent and I want you to give me a lunch order, a classic Dublin lunch order with with an Irish accent, okay? So you tell me if you can follow me on this order, all right? Hey, sure, let me get a chicken box, salt, pepper, ketchup, hot, lake trout, collard greens, cornbread and a half a half. And don't forget the napkins, yo. All right, you heard? What you got? Am, am I changing? Am I changing a car tire or something? <laughs> I, I gave you a, a great order right there, man. That is, I'm hungry now, thinking about that. So we went with a chicken box. Okay, a chicken box is just that. You get either uh, wings or parts with fries, a dinner roll, and a soda in a little, you know, takeaway box with salt, pepper, ketchup, and hot sauce. Now, this one's going to stump you, Michelin star chef. Lake Trout. It's neither from a lake, nor is it so trout. It's, okay. it's Atlantic whiting for the most part, okay, in most, most of the restaurants. And it's fried and, you know, done up kind of pub style. And that's what we have. And in Baltimore, we call it Lake Trout. And it's been a thing for decades. Half and half okay. is Arnold Palmer. Lemonade and iced tea, 50-50. Okay. So there we go. So that's, that's what a takeout order what might sound like. In my part of Baltimore, what what's a takeout order in uh, one of your parts of uh, Dublin going to sound like? I'll take the uh, the fish and chips with the uh, tartar sauce, loads of salt and vinegar, more vinegar than salt, and uh, I'll take a pint of plain to go with that as well. And then, uh, do you want that bagged up or do you want it in a box? No, wrap it in newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Oh, and uh, I'll take I'll take uh, a side of crispy bits as well. And what the hell are crispy bits? So when you're doing the beer batter and you drop the fish in, as the excess beer batter comes off, yeah, it turns into these small little like uh, crispy bits, little droplets. Um, yeah, yeah, little droplets like churros. But because we cook the fish in the beef fat, they have an amazing, amazing flavor. And what they do is they 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 take the spider and they scrape all that off the oil and they drain it. So it's all the oil is gone, but it's it's still crispy and it has that lovely beef flavor. But they throw a shovel of that in on top of your fish and chips. Sounds like good eating to me. Oh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bring that Dublin chipper into DC as soon as I can. So as I said, I'm always looking for people who are interested in investing. Now, you're fighting fit. You've lost weight. You've got your health right, but you've got something coming up, don't you, with uh, one of our influencers, Gia McCool? I'm going to be flying down to Orlando, Florida for the 2nd of April. It's going to be my first time down in Florida. Uh, I'm very excited about that. But I'm also going to be really excited to meet one of the influencers that are on my management team, uh, Gia McCool. She's got 2.5 million followers on Instagram and her YouTube page, which is Gia Fit has 7.5 million followers, and we're going to be doing an amazing little cooking show. Uh, we're going to be talking about healthy lifestyle. Um, we're going to be talking a bit of, a little bit about fitness, and then I'm going to get some tips and tricks off Gia in relation to my fitness and health, plus my broken knee and what I can do to work around that. Um, my good friend Wendell from the Georgetown Butcher is sponsoring it, so he's going to be supplying us with um his Georgetown cut of beef and a dry aged ribeye. His meat is amazing. And he's also going to be supplying us with a contact down there for fresh lobsters. So I'm going to do up two dishes with Gia. One will be my dish and one will be Gia's dish using those products. It's going to be all recorded on a, in a beautiful kitchen that we have set up. Gia is going to have the, the, the look of wearing um, Nikki from uh, Hell's Kitchen, her new chef jacket range yellow jacket. Gia is going to be modeling one of them as she cooks. And then I'm going to be modeling, hopefully, one of the Chef Works jackets as well. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fun. Um, I've never been there before. Can't wait to go down there. That sounds fantastic. Is this your first time to Florida? It is indeed, yeah. First time to Florida. So yeah. um, Shamrock uh, bathing suit, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> a green, green pair of budgie smugglers. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of smuggling, bro. <laughs> so fantastic. All right. So um, after your meetings with Gia and collaborating down there together, what, what's next on your travel plans? After that, um, I'm going to be flying from Orlando down to Miami. In Miami, I'm going to be taking part in a pizza academy to get certified in Roma Pizza. And then um, I'll be there for five days doing that while my girlfriend is with me. Hopefully at night time we're going to get to see a bit of Miami because I've never been in Miami either. I'm excited about that because all I've ever done is seen it on the movies and I heard it's a bit of a mad place. It's a bit of an eye-opener as well. After that, I yeah. believe I'm going to Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, I'm going to be getting certified in Neapolitan pizza. And then I have a load of other projects coming up that everybody can get to see on my website, www.chefdeclanorgan.com or on my Instagram page. As they come up, I'll release them there as well, at Declan76 for my Instagram. Which, Gia, um, i got to mention this, I'll be using my barbecue sauce for the health side of it to make one of these healthy dishes with her. You'll get to see me use the barbecue sauce 
and um, how I use it. And then you get to see Gia's reaction when she tastes it. Being in the fitness industry, she's one of the biggest names out there and getting bigger and bigger. With the calories that are in the sauce, it's perfect for fitness. It's perfect for a healthy lifestyle because of the superfoods. So that's why I'm really excited about this barbecue sauce. It all sounds great, man. And I think you're going to enjoy your first trip to Florida. You're definitely going to enjoy Miami. It's unique. It's like no other place. And, uh, you know, wear a mask and have fun, man. Uh, I will indeed. Are you still riding motorcycles, man? No, no, no. Bicycles. Motorbikes, I'm not allowed. Well, that's what I'm asking, because uh, you put yourself in quite a predicament one time with that. Oh, no, yeah. When I, I used to have Ducatis, and um, I broke my knee in about 16 places off a of Ducati. And then after that day, it was a case, if you ever get a motorbike again, we're excommunicating you from the family. Yeah. So no more motorbikes, <laughs> even though I still love them. I can't do as much exercise as I want um, aerobically because of my knee. So I have to watch my diet and everything. But uh, if I look at food, I get fat. But if I look at weights, I build muscle. So it's 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 hard to get it right. And I do believe uh, with food, it's unless you have medical issues, the amount of food that goes in your mouth should be comparative to the amount of exercise you do. So if you're just sitting on the sofa doing nothing, drink glasses of water. Don't eat food. And then if you're out and about doing whatever, eat when you're hungry. Don't eat just for eating. That's what I try and do. Me as a chef around food all the time, everybody thinks that uh, that's why I'm so big. It's not. It's because of my knee. Uh, when I'm working as a chef, I have a container of teaspoons, and that's how I taste the food in the restaurant to make sure it's correct. I have a little teaspoon and a taster. And my taste buds are so fine-tuned now, I can tell you what's wrong with it, how to fix it, whatever. I do try and have three square meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I try and be finished eating before 7 o'clock at the latest. Mm -hmm. I don't drink that much. and I do like a glass of wine with my dinner. Mm -hmm. When we're out, when I'm at home, I don't really drink wine at home unless it's the end of the week and we've got something to celebrate. If I go out to a restaurant, I might drink wine depending on where it is. If it's just... Um, a bar, well, then I'll have a beer or I'll have a Coke Zero. But, um, yeah, I don't drink that much. I don't smoke. I used to smoke when I was younger. I've gave, given all that up. But with the health side of it, the knee is the killer because I can't get my heartbeat up that high, that high to get into that zone. So I have to watch my diet. I do work out as much as I can, and I try and walk as much as I can. Now that the weather's coming around again, I am looking at buying a, a really good bike for the trails. Yeah. And I'm going to cycle the trails because that's easier on my knee. Yeah, when, when, I, when I was at my highest, I got up to 475 pounds. And uh, I was described, uh, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And um, I was urinating glucose and I was urinating, what's the cholesterol, which is just nuts. I'm, su I'm, I'm surprised I survived. Once I made that decision, I went, I never want to get back there like that. I brought it down to a Lara bar for breakfast and a black coffee and then water for the rest of the day unless I had the little teaspoons to taste and then all the steamed vegetables at nighttime. And I did that for six months. And in those six months, I lost 150 pounds. I got my type 2 diabetes in check. Uh, I felt a million times better. I was able to do more exercise because of my knee. And now we're all better for it, man. We're all better because you're here able to provide all this great cooking that you're doing, all this wonderful personality and entertainment. 
When is the cookbook for diabetics and weight loss from Big D coming out? Huh? Right, right now I'm working on a new uh, one called The New Chef and The New Irish Chef for America. I'd say that's going to be the first one that comes out. And then the second one will be about weight loss and what I did and everything to do with healthy recipes. That's part of the reason that I'm going with uh, Gia to get her advice on it as well. Gia McCool down in Orlando, Gia Fit on YouTube. That's probably the big one. And as well as that is the connection with the first sauce, the first barbecue sauce that I produced, how it tastes so good, has superfoods, but only has 2% of sugar, which is great, and 15 calories. They're all going to line up. And then um, with the new regime that I'm starting now, it's going to be full of recipes that I'm going to go with where I don't feel like I'm starving, where I don't feel like I've missed out on a meal during the day. And then um, all these recipes from breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks, I'm going to be jotting them all down. And then they'll all be going into a book, which is associated with weight loss plus healthy living and dedicated a little bit to diabetes as well. It sounds fantastic. I think that's all. It's so much, so much great stuff coming from you and great things to look forward to. One other thing I want to cover, you know, there's Irish diplomacy, right? So the art of telling someone to go to hell and having them look forward to the trip. Yeah. Now you've got your own version of this and it's all over T-shirts. Talk to us about it. My little uh, motto to live your life by mm-hmm. is um, something that I, uh, I yelled at like a grizzly bear at somebody on Hell's Kitchen. Who deserved it? Who deserved it very much? For sure. But um, it's, uh, am, I, am I able to say it? Like, yeah, you're allowed to say it. Am I able to say it? <laughs> you, hell yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the saying is um, he was annoying me and he was hanging around and he was mounting off saying he could do this and that and everything. And I just had enough of it. And I went, dude, you can either lead, follow, or fuck off. <laughs> and um, they lost their minds. And now everybody is catching on to it, which I don't blame them because it's awesome. It is awesome. And I have it in, I have it in T-shirt form, and that's available on my website as well. And uh, it's, it's in a roundabout way, it, it, it suits to every aspect of life. One thing I didn't realize when I had said it until afterwards was that the U.S. Marines have one as well, a motto, and it's similar. But um, a few U.S. Marines have reached out to me and they said they like my motto better because it's more direct. <laughs> but I'm not going to take away from the Marines, man. Guys, hey. you're doing yeah, the Marine, the Marines, they get the they get to go ahead on that. But I love it, and uh, it was perfect on that episode. I think you also promised a knuckle sandwich if you didn't calm down. <laughs> but uh, true entertainment, excellent stuff to see, and you're surrounded by so much talent. Uh, and what I love about you on the this season's Hell's Kitchen is you're authentic. It's not playing for the cameras. You can tell this is the real Chef Declan and he's cooking and he's serious about what he's doing. Dr. Black, if I can tell you, literally, it's me being me. That's all you saw on TV. That's why we love you, Um, man. How I am in the kitchen is literally the exact same, right? All the guys that know me who have worked with me already in America, they nickname me the Blue-Eyed Devil. Ah. But yet they all... They all want to come back and work with me because they know they're going to have a laugh. They're going to learn stuff, but also um, they're going to make money with me because all the restaurants are always busy. Yeah, man. 
Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a testament to your talent. It really is. And the talent comes out of that passion from when you were seven years old, which is unbelievable to me. That's just a fantastic story. Absolutely. So let's recap a little bit. Where can we find your food right now and upcoming? So the food that I'll be making is going to be pizza and pasta at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's at Jack's Ranch coming up in Tyson's Corner. Tyson's Corner. But don't be, don't be upset. Don't be confused saying uh, an Irish man doing Italian. I've got a bit of history there. Um, as you can see, my buddy Adam up in um, Milwaukee has egg and flour. I'd be on the same t- uh, train of thought with him, but um, I'm just going to elevate it a little bit more. And then with the, uh, the pizzas, Roma pizza and um, Neapolitan pizza, as I said, I'm going to be the first Irish guy certified to do it properly outside of Italy. And then my barbecue sauce is online off my website to be posted out to you or in person in Wendell's uh, Georgetown Butcher in D.C., down in Georgetown. And then um, all these other products that I'm working on have yet to start, but um, once they're up, you can see everything on my Instagram page, at Declan76. As new things come up or new projects come up, they'll all be posted there. Plus, you can have the events page and the bio page on my website. You can see everything there to get in touch, to talk about investment, anything that you want to do through my um, webpage. It's great. With the food products, I have a range of tartar sauce. I've got the sausages, rashers, and black and white pudding that I'm going to produce down here. I have one barbecue sauce out at the moment, and I have eight other recipes. And then um, I've got a baked bean product that I want to do, and I've also got Big D's shenanigan pickles that I want to do. <laughs> And then um, I've got a pre-cooked barbecue pork rib that's going to be marinated in my barbecue sauce in a foil pouch. And all you do is cut the bag open, pour it on a tray, stick it underneath the broiler, or you can microwave them. And um, they'll be ready to go like little pork lollipops covered in my barbecue sauce. Man, I'm so excited about about all these options. And I'm appreciative to learn that, you know, contrary to what I suspected or believed before, Irish food is not at the bottom of the totem pole. It's just that we haven't had the good opportunities here to be exposed to some of the better quality things. And so it's great that you're here bringing this kind of quality to the DMV and giving us these opportunities. And we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting it done and showing y'all. Absolutely. Chef Declan Horgan, Big D, so many things coming up. T-shirts, barbecue sauce, fitness. Restaurants, Jack's Ranch out at Tyson's, Virginia, being a sex symbol on Swagger Magazine. Huh? Look at him. He's shouting up his shamrock for you, ladies. Watch out. <laughs> Big D, thanks for spending time with me today, man, and joining us. You're fantastic. I'm really a big fan. Looking forward to seeing what's next for you and wishing you nothing but the best success. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was great chatting to you, too. You too, man. <laughs> 